0: This is going to impress you, or at least some of you. Some of you probably won't care, but I was—I was the starting point guard for my high school basketball team as a sophomore. That anyone impressed? That you should be. Yeah, nod your heads, at least play along with me if you will. Now, now, in uh, in all transparencies, uh, it was only one game that I was the starting point guard, uh, but. It was our district championship game, only the most important game of the year, that I was the starting point guard as a sophomore. But again, in all transparency, the reason I started was there were only six players left on the team uh, when that game came around. Half the team had got kicked off the the, the day before because they got caught drinking, and uh, and so there were just there were just. Five or six of us left, Danny Sims, Les Bolt, Randy Knox, my brother Rick, myself, and Tim Hicks. And Tim Hicks wasn't any good. Um, obviously, I was, or at least a little better than him. But but I got the starting knot. Now, I remember a few things from that game that just stand out to me uh, vividly in my mind. Number one, this is what I remember, we lost. Well, half our starting lineup and probably about two-thirds of our points in the starting lineup uh, had got kicked off the team. So, so we lost and we lost fairly handily. But, but, but I also remember that I scored a few points. I was in the book. Yes, I'd scored. I also remember that I had a few assists as, as a point guard. That actually was more important to me than points. And and I remember I had a few assists. In fact, I had one of the one pass that was just amazing, if I don't say so myself. Uh, it was a no look pass. I looked this way, threw a perfect pass up into the corner of the backboard. Danny Sims caught it, laid it in. It was an amazing pass. I remember that pass like it was yesterday. Uh I, I remember I didn't uh embarrass myself too much. But you know, the one thing I remember uh, most of all from my sophomore district championship starting point guard game, the one thing I remember most is Cheryl Stafford. Now, it's not what you think. I, I had no uh, no romantic uh, inclination towards Cheryl. She was nice enough, and she was pretty enough. I'd known her my whole life, uh, nothing like that, but 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 I remember Shell for this reason our our high school uh, had this this tradition or this uh, uh, just the way they did it at, at the start of every game every every cheerleader or at least five of the cheerleaders I think we only had five were assigned one of the starters and it was their job to specifically cheer for that starter now now they cheered for the whole team of course but but when certain things happened it was their job to cheer for that starter so so at the start of the game when they were announcing the starting lineups and the the announcer said uh at point guard a sophomore standing six feet feet tall number 12 tim champ the crowd erupted well at least my mom yelled and uh but Cheryl Stafford standing on the side she ran out and did her thing she ran out and did one of those little leg kicks and this and 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 then she she jumped and she landed in the splits. And it was about like that because she wasn't very good at the splits either. Uh, but she cheered for me. And all through the game, whenever I did something good. Now the reality is most of the time she leaned against the stage, kind of bored, but, but a couple times that I did something good. She cheered for me when I shot a free throw. It was her job when I made one to run out and just, I mean, just yell excitedly for me. She was my cheerleader. D- did you know that the book of Hebrews, that the writer dedicates one whole chapter? So so out of the 1,189 chapters in the Bible, there is one chapter dedicated out of the 260 chapters in the new testament there is one chapter dedicated out of the 13 chapters in this book there's one chapter dedicated to listing the names and the stories of cheerleaders now you won't see Cheryl Stafford's name there but you will see a list of the names of cheerleaders so 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 if you will grab your bibles we're actually going to be in chapter 12 today but chapter 11 in the book of hebrews it it is called different things some people call it the faith chapter because it talks a lot about uh, about faith in fact if you would just turn over to chapter 11 to start with and then then move over to chapter 12 if you get bored during the sermon hey go ahead and read chapter 11 it's it's cool stuff or do it after the sermon but look at uh, uh, chapter 11 the first couple of verses it says now faith is confidence in what we hope for And assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then he goes on and he talks about all these, these great people of the Old Testament. All these wonderful people of the great, uh, of the Old Testament. And he lists several men and women of faith. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David, Samuel. Uh, some others, and then, and then literally kind of lumps a bunch of unnamed people, unnamed saints in there as well. See, chapter 11 is there so that we know this. Chapter 11 is there so we know this. We have cheerleaders. If you have your Bibles, then, then look in chapter 12. This is where we're, we're going to land today. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, the first three verses. Therefore, so pointing backwards to chapter 11 where he lists this whole group of people that are cheerleaders, chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's what he's talking about, is all those people he talked about in chapter 11, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter, uh pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Chapter twelve starts out with that phrase that we spent the last two weeks talking about. He goes back to that phrase that he loves, let us. And and so we'll look this morning at three of those let us phrases. He, he uses some iterating words before he gets to there. He says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The word for cloud there in Greek doesn't mean a single cloud, but a, a sky full of clouds. So, so envision a summer thunderstorm and you, you go outside and you look out and the, the 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 sky is just loaded with clouds you can't see any blue at all it's just one big cloud that's that's the word he uses there so we're we're surrounded by the the, the above us is a a sky full of witnesses that are watching us uh He also uses an inner uh, uh, an interesting or unique word for witnesses he says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses the The, the word there means someone who has has been a witness to the truth. It's someone who has endured. It's someone who has experienced it. It's someone who has lived it, which which is true of what he just said. All those people were people that had lived faith, and had walked through it and done that. But the overall context, the overall context of this text also gives us this idea, this implied idea of a spectator, the implied idea of a cheerleader. So, so the writer wants us to envision, and his readers would have, would have caught it, he wants us to envision a stadium, and we're running a race, and surrounded all around us are, are cheerleaders. In, in that group are the biggies of the faith. Imagine as we walk for Jesus that, that there's Abraham and Moses and David, they're, they're cheering for us, and and included in that group is is Granny Porman and Grandma Hartman, uh, Joe Champ and Virginia Burns. Now those names may not mean anything to you, but they're they're my cheerleaders. So 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 inject in there your grandparents or your parents or your loved ones that that have gone on before you. They're in the stands as well as giants of your faith cheering you on. So he says because of that because all these people are around us let us First thing first thing he says there is let us let us toss things let us toss things so uh, so he says there let us throw off everything that hinders let us toss it. the the Greek for throw off means to put or to lay down that 's the the root word means to put or lay down, but it also has the idea or it 's coupled with the idea of a way so to to put away or lay down but away when, when i uh, When I was little, I remember one fall watching my dad put storm windows on our house. Most of you younger people have no idea what a storm window is but but if you live in an old house, I used to take these old windows in the fall and and put them up to seal the windows a little better against the winter winter winds and and my dad kept these windows stored in an an old literally it was an old outhouse that was at the back of our and and ask your parents what an outhouse is too but but uh, an old outhouse is the back of our property and I remember my dad going out and and grabbing these windows one at a time and carrying them out and as he walked out to get that one of our bikes was kind of sitting in the way, and I I remember seeing my dad kind of kick the bike out of the way, And, and as he grabbed one of the windows, he turned around and walked out, and he he, he stumbled over that bike. Now, he didn't fall down, but he kind of tripped a little bit, and he kicked it a little bit further away again. And he went and took that window and set it by the house, went back, and got another window. This time as he came out, he bumped that window uh, on, on the handlebar of the bike, and, and he hit the glass. He didn't break it, a good thing, because he'd really been upset. And, and he stopped, and he kicked that bike away a little bit more, and he went back and set that. And then he, he did a third time, and he hit that bike a third time. This time, Dad put the window down. And he picked the bike up and he threw it as far as he could throw it. That's what the Greek is saying here. That we put down or lay down anything that hinders us, uh, sin that might entangle us, uh, but but we don't just lay it down close. we We toss it away. We throw it away. He's talking... Uh, he brings up two specific ideas here, uh, that, that really are separate. Notice the first one. He says, let us throw off. So don't just lay it down at our feet, but get rid of it. Everything, first of all, that, that hinders everything that causes us trouble. So if something causes us trouble in our, in our walk with the Lord, then we need to get rid of that. He, he probably isn't talking about sin here. Uh, because he he goes to that next, so we'll address that. But but he's talking about anything that might slow us down. Again, the the reader would have caught it. They would have they would have got what he was talking about. That a runner would would strip down and and get rid of anything that would slow him down. I uh. Uh, Rid and I have two kids that ran track uh, in high school. Two of them did, two of them didn't. And and Brian and Crystal both ran track. And and it seemed like the first track meet of the year was always at Deerburn. Uh, Bobby, did you do track? Yeah. It seemed like the first track was always at Dearborn, and it was always freezing cold. It might have been seventy the day before, but that day it would be cold. And 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 as Brian or Crystal would get ready to run their first race. They would go to the starting line and they would have on a, a, a hoodie and they would have on sweatpants and I would walk to the starting line with them and they would begin to peel off layers. The sweatpants and then the hoodie and if they had a long sleeve shirt under that, they'd peel it off so that only thing was left was their uniform. Literally, uh, sorry to have to say that, but literally in Bible times and in Greek times, some of the runners would actually peel everything off. They would actually run naked to get rid of anything that would slow them down at all. Uh, so what's he talking about? We're to toss away anything that hinders us or slows down our Christian walk. What? What's he talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest. I have no idea what he's talking about for you. Because probably what he... What he, what he wants you to apply for you, what, what hinders you, what slows you down, that isn't necessarily sin, now, now remember, but, but causes to you to, to be drugged down in your walk with the Lord. I, I don't know what it is for you. Now, I, I could list a few things for myself. I can figure that out for my, myself. And maybe, maybe if you want to be honest with yourself, jot down in your notes a couple things that, that you need to get rid of, things that slow you down or hinder you. I have no idea what it might be for you, but I do for me. In in verse 14 of chapter 12, he says this, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So what, what hinders your holiness? Maybe it's something you do or don't do. Maybe what hinders your holiness is reading your Bible or not reading your Bible. Maybe it's places you go or don't go, like hanging with people that that weaken your witness or hanging with people that lift your witness up or maybe maybe it's attitudes you cultivate or refuse to cultivate like being slow to forgive or very quick to forgive first of all we're to toss things the first thing is anything that would hinder us and the the second thing there in that verse is pretty obvious for it It says and the sin that so easily entangles he's He's very specific there. We're to throw things away. We're to toss things that cause us to trip. Anything that will trip us up, any sin that will cause us to trip. Uh, uh, Does anyone have plans for 725 tonight? Yeah, I knew Derek would. Thank you, Derek. Uh, if you don't know, the Chiefs play tonight. I think it's seven twenty-five, seven o'clock somewhere in there. I, I, I can only guess tonight at seven o'clock. Reed and I'll be tuned in as well, watching the Chiefs play. Sometime during the game, one of us, if not uh, several of us, if not just about all of us, one, at least one time during the game, one of us will think, or, or very, uh, at very least, think, or we might yell it out loud: "Watch out!" We, see, we'll be watching the play develop and off the, the right side or left side, depending on which way you're looking at it, a defensive line will come around and, and he'll blow right past our left tackle because it happens at least one. A Fisher lets one go at least uh, every game. And we'll see him headed right towards Mahomes and we'll go, watch out, he's going to get you. And and luckily Mahomes has an uh, eye in the side of his head and usually just steps up and misses that and, and, and can feel it. but But the reality is we're... We're surrounded. This is what he wants us to catch. We are surrounded by a group of saints, the biggies, as well as those that have gone on before us. And they've already gone through it themselves. And they can easily see the snares, the traps, and the entanglements of sin. And I think they're shouting out warnings and they're shouting out encouragements to us. Every sin that entangles us has entangled them. And did you realize in, in that group of saints that he listed, these, these giants of the faith that, did, did you catch who some of them were? there, there were some drunks. There were a, a couple murderers. There was a prostitute. There was adulterers. There were bad parents and there were spoiled kids. And the list goes on and on included in the stands are. Our saints, and, and we know some of our saints, now we don't want to talk about it, but some of our saints had some of that same stuff. They are first-hand witnesses of how sin entangles and will cause us to trip, and they're imploring us. They're surrounding us saying, don't give in to the entanglement of sin. See, our problem is our problem is that oftentimes we, we just put down or we lay down our sin but we keep it close I'll put down that bad habit and but but we lay it close enough that that in a pinch we can pick it right back up. We need to be in and it's what he's saying there we need to be like my dad, we need to pick that up and toss it as far as we can. Uh, so we need to toss things. the second let us statement that he makes is that we need to stay strong. second part of that verse says, and let us Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Perseverance has the idea of passive endurance and active persistent, persistence. The first century believer would not have missed the word picture being painted here. Painted. They would have understood that that he wasn't talking about a sprint, but he was talking about a long-distance race, a race that must be run with passive endurance. So, so we need to do a couple of things. First of all, we need to run with a plan. We need to run with a plan. That's what perseverance is, is running with a plan. When, when our youngest was in seventh grade, he ran track. Now, I, I said I only had two that ran track in high school. Caleb ran in seventh grade and then he never ran track again. Uh, and he was one of those tweeners. There was no, he was a good basketball player, a good football player but there was nothing in track. He wasn't strong enough to, to throw the shot or the put, and, and he wasn't fast enough to do anything else, so he, he was kind of a betweener. But but I remember his first seventh-grade track meet. I, I went to it. He, his first race was the 400-meter uh, dash, and, and I remember watching as he, he got on the starting line. I had no idea how he was going to do, and, 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 he, and he lined up, and the, the gun sounded, and he flew off the line. Man, he took off, and... And, after about fifty meters, he was in first place around that first corner uh he was man, he was flying and i I'm sure i I did a yeah said so my boy, look at him go, and I remember thinking I had no idea he was such a good four hundred meter dash runner wow, and then he hit about the one fifty, and it's like they threw a fifty pound back a uh, pack on on both shoulders or a 60 mile an hour wind in his face because he he just he literally hit the wall uh the, the the other runners that he had blown by just they all one by one just passed him and left him uh, le- left him in their their dust he he finished the race but he was dead last after the race, what do you say to your son that just got that just did that? I, I don't know what I said, but we visited a little bit, and and somewhere in there, I might have mentioned about having a plan. You know, maybe not starting off quite so fast. And 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 he pointed this out. He said, "Well, Dad, I'd never run the 400 before." I said, "What? What what have you been doing in practice?" Well, practice, we go out, we kind of jog a couple laps, and we do a couple sprints, and then I hang out with my friends and talk. <laughs> He had no idea what was required of him. We we need to run the race. But we have to have a plan. M- remember back in chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, into the start of chapter 6, we talked uh, how how the writer of Hebrews pointed out that they didn't have a plan, that they were still drinking milk, that they hadn't moved on to spiritual uh, spiritual meat yet. They hadn't moved on and grown in their faith. Part of that was... Was they didn't have a plan. If we don't have a plan to grow, if we don't have a plan to read His Word and to pray and to seek fellowship, a plan to serve, a plan to give, we might finish the race, but but we'll come dragging in the end uh, and not finish very uh, very victoriously. Now let me let me pause for just a second and. And speak to our at home uh, people. We have so many people during this season of, 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 uh, of our pandemic that have to be at home, and I understand that. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in from home. But, but, but let me challenge you here b- because those of you at home, it's really even more incumbent on you to run the race with a plan. See, see, it's easy when you come to church and you, you you feel the fellowship. You you sit in the front and you hear the, the you feel the drums, you know, the beat of the drum through your your body. I mean, that just that just stokes me up. And you get a you get a hug for. I know we're not supposed to do that, but occasionally we get a hug from someone. Uh, I hope the health department's not watching. And uh, uh, but but the fellowship encourages and lifts us up. But but those of you at home, it, it's even more important for you to to find a way. Find a way to have a plan. I, I mentioned it last week. Let me mention it again. Let me encourage our our people at home to set aside Sunday mornings at ten o 'clock. Certainly you can watch it anytime you want. We appreciate that if you watch it at night if you watch it on the way to work or or, or whatever but 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 ten o 'clock sunday would you, would you join us? Would you comment on our Facebook page to let us know you 're there would Would you call your kids around you and 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 put the electronics down and put the toys down and turn the phones off and 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 plug in as best you can to have a plan. Run with a plan. And we need to run with a purpose. He says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Over in Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 15, Jesus says this He says, enter the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We need to run. The race that's marked for us with a purpose run with a purpose, a friend of mine a few years ago told me about running a 10 k race and said they, they they were running the race and they they weren't very competitive they weren't worried about you know where they finished but but they just want to finish so they're they're jogging along and said they've got. Had some headphones on and letting the the, the music kind of keep him distracted as they ran. And, and if you've ever run a race like that, we do our six k. Uh, and and every time the the course changes direction, uh, there there'll be signage or there'll be cones or or maybe you'll have someone standing. That's what we do. We have someone standing there saying, "Now you need to turn left here. You need to turn right here," and, uh, and and make sure people stay on the race. And it was no different for this guy in the race, but he was jogging along and listening to the music and really got into the music and. And he missed one of the cues. He missed one of the turns. So he had no idea he'd missed it. Said, said, I'm just jogging along when all of a sudden this car comes flying up past me and slams on its brakes and a guy jumps out and starts waving at me doing this. He's like, what in the world? He pulls one of his earbuds out. He says, you missed the turn. You missed the turn. It's way back there. And he turned around and realized that he had gone about a quarter of a mile and I had to turn around and head back. We have to actively be persistent in seeking the course that's marked for us. It doesn't do us any good to run if we're not on the right course. Have you ever found yourself spiritually stagnant? Have have you ever woken up one day and realized, how did I get this far away from from the Lord? How How did I drift so far from God? How does that happen? Why is that? I suggest in part is is that we're not actively persistent see see the verse says we're to run the race marked out for us that that implies that running the race that that we're running the race and and we're moving forward that we're we're going it it doesn't tell us to go stand in a spot on the course it doesn't go say, doesn't tell us to go stand there but but implies the idea of moving towards the finish line I mentioned. I mentioned last week that uh that I used to to jog uh, for about about a decade I ran fairly uh fairly often and then my body. Parts of my body began to tell me that they didn't like it and so I had to quit running. But, but during that period I began to run some races. My first race was a, a 10K. The YMCA puts on in St. Joe and, and I ran this 10K. Now I, I wasn't worried about when, there's no way I was going to win. I wasn't even worried about where I finish, uh, where I place. So I just want to finish. But one of the things I was most excited about in this race, and it's odd because I'm odd, but one of the things I was most excited about was was the hydration stations. I, I think there were two or three uh, on this 10K, places that you ran by and they had these tables of cups of water. And some, some places they had someone standing there with a cup of water and they'd hand it to you as you went by. Now, now the thing I was most excited about, it wasn't necessarily the water. It, was a, it wasn't that hot of a day. I didn't need the water. It was no big deal. But one of the things that was going to be cool was I, I ran by and I grabbed a cup. The first one, I grabbed it and I poured it over my head. Yeah, shook my hair, well, shook my head off, and and uh, and and then I dr I grabbed one and I, you know, I guzzled it down. I actually got choked and coughed a little bit, but I I guzzled it down. But here's the, here's the thing I remember. Uh, I, growing up as a kid, I, I never littered. In fact, I remember seeing a sign that said fifty dollar fine for littering, and I, I've been very religious not to litter. But when you're running a race, you can you can litter. You're supposed to drink it and then throw the cup down. Someone—I don't know who it is—but someone will come along and pick that up. Uh, uh, Craig, you probably do it because you do the, during the Lions Club run. I guess you guys pick. So, so I was more excited about that, just grabbing a cup so I could throw it down. Kind of, kind of excitement that I could litter and not get in trouble. No fine for me that day. See, see, the reality is, you you grab the cup and you keep going. Now, maybe there's someone that does that I never saw anyone but but you're not supposed to stop at the hydration station now when you're in a walk when we do our 6k Lions Club did their walk, it's okay to stop and visit but but when you're running a race you grab the cup and keep going you don't you don't stop and linger you don't stop and chat with the workers you don't stop and cheer everyone else along you don't you don't ask hey can I sit down in that lawn chair? I'm kind of tired. I've been running here. Can I put my feet up? and re- you, you keep on going on the, the race that's marked out for you. And finally, we'll, we'll finish here. Let us focus first. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And then the passage goes on and says one of the strangest things in all of Scripture. It says, for the joy set before Him, he endured the cross see we we need to focus first on jesus joy well what does it mean the joy set before him there's there's actually two possible interpretations here one is and some people believe that that what it's talking about the joy that jesus had before him was the fact that at some point uh, w- once he went through the cross he would get to go back to heaven he would he would be with god in god's glory and and that was the joy set before him. I, I make it through the cross, and I get to go back to heaven. I get to shed this earthly uh, experience and get to go back and be with God. Now, this is not a very good illustration of it, but but I hope it kind of gives the point. I, I know several people uh, that have had a knee replacement, probably some here that have had a knee replacement. I, I don't know of anyone who's had a knee replacement that looked forward to it. I don't know anyone that said, man, I can't wait to have that done. Everyone that's ever had a knee replacement has has dreaded it, has put it off, and, and most of the times they put it off way past the time they should have had it done because it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. The rehab is going to hurt, but but when they finally decide to do it, they do it for the joy that's going to be after the fact. Man, three or four months from now when, when I've rehabbed, and I can walk without pain, that'll, that'll be joyful. So, so maybe Jesus, the joy that was set before him was the fact that some, sometime after going through the cross, he would be with God again. Here's a problem. Uh, I, that, that, that doesn't sound like Jesus. It, it doesn't sound like he came to earth and the whole time all he could think about is, man, i gotta, I got to get out of here. i, I got to move on. Now, now I think it's I think it is somewhat accurate. Certainly, that was something he looked forward to, but I don't think that's the main reason. See, Jesus' joy was this: it was what the cross produced for us. So, so how did he have joy in going to the cross? How did he have joy uh, when when he knew it would encompass shame and? Uh, heartache and hurt and physical and emotional and spiritual denial. How how did he have joy? Because he knew what it would, would do for us. Leon Morris says this, he looked right through the cross to the coming joy. The joy of bringing salvation to those he loved. That was the joy. Doesn't that sync up a little better with who Jesus was? And then finally we Focus first on Jesus, not just His joy, but His journey. See where to run a race marked out for us. But what's what's that race? What what is the race? Philippians two five says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. First Peter five first Peter one fifteen excuse me says but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We are called to look like Jesus. See, see, our focus is to be on Jesus' journey. How did Jesus walk? How did Jesus live? That's our race. Let me ask one final question. What are you doing in your life to look like Jesus? Last question week one day, uh, Kay Jones walked into our the office next door and was talking to Tanya and myself and she'd come to drop off a donation to Caden's closet and as Tanya and I visited with her, I made a comment to her how much she looked like her sister. Particularly with, with her mask where you could just see her eyes and you could just hear I said, Kay, you and Jeannie you just look even more so with that mask on, look exactly Alike. And your voice, your voices are exactly the same. Later on, Tanya made the comment, and I noticed it too, your mannerisms. She, she did something, I'm like, I see Jeannie do that all the time. You you look exactly alike. Kay, Kay made this comment. I can't believe she said, well, we don't see it. People tell us, Adam, we don't think we look alike. I'm like, man, you need to get your glasses fixed. You guys look and sound and act and think exactly alike. the race marked out for us is to look like Jesus they're watching they're watching the biggies of the faith up in the stands cheering us on saying you can do it there's Moses and Abraham and David the biggies are there so so are our grandparents or parents or longtime friend they're all there cheering us on They're watching. You can do it. Would you stand as we sing?